0: know, really, we just try to get the player to take autonomy and, you know, try to take their development in their own hands. And that means communicating with their coaches and communicating with us and trying to stick up for themselves both ways. the more the more we can feed, uh, you know, a signal of adaptation that we want, uh, whether it's on the table or, you know, in the cage or in the gym, the more likely we are going to be able to change those patterns. Not everyone is the exact same and not everyone's going to move the exact same way and be successful. So, you know, I think having, yeah. uh, like I said, that integration between, you know, a skill coach and a therapist um, and a strength and conditioning coach, you all get on the same page and say, you know what, this is what the athlete needs to be successful. You know, everyone's sending the same signal, you know, of adaptation towards, you know, going in that direction.
1: Fellas, 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 welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha.
2: And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being
1: lifelong learners, and we are here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going. We'd like to welcome back our veteran listeners. We're happy to grow with you again. We'd also like to welcome our first-time listeners, the rookies. Don't worry, every vet was once a rookie. This podcast is brought to you by our partners over at Baseball Cloud, professional data for amateur players. Baseball Cloud allows players from all over the country to consolidate data from their performance into a centralized location. This allows players, coaches, scouts to effectively track, compare, and view the players' results through the use of graphs and a multitude of other visual analysis tools, within seconds. Learn more about their software at BaseballCloud.com and follow them on social media at BaseballCloudUS.
2: If you haven't yet, make sure to check out the online marketplace of resources we put together at TheSystem.farm. We have a multitude of different sections including drill videos, practice plans, discount codes, job listings, unsigned players, and so much more. Our premium membership gives you full access to travel ball rankings, player rankings, chat boards, as well as other features that we'll be releasing in the coming months. Make sure you become a member at the system.farm.
1: That's the system.farm. On this episode, we sit down with Steven Oster, owner and director of high performance at the Baseball Development Group. Don't leave that dugout. We got Bo and Joe coming up next on the Farm System. Right here, right now. Welcome back to the Farm System. We're here with Steven Oster, owner and director of performance of the Baseball Development Group.
2: Coach, we appreciate you taking some time out of your day to sit down and chat with us here at the Farm System.
0: Hey, no problem. Uh, happy to be here, boys.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, a big piece of why we wanted to, uh, you know, get you on, and and you know, obviously, we've we've kind of. uh I, I think through a, a lot of different ways, especially now with social media, um, I, I feel like there's a lot of people that mentor me uh, through afar. And that's what, you know, one when somebody's work that I've constantly looked at is yours. I mean, obviously, Bleak endorses you quite a bit. And, you know, you came out here for this year for uh, Bridge the Gap. And, um, you know, you're one of the, if you if you guys haven't if you haven't, if you're going to buy the package alone, just to see the digital access, I think just getting and just li- listening to your presentation um, is enough. So, but oh I, I think you did a great job this year, and I was really impressed by your uh, your presentation. I thought you shared quite a, a few insights for a lot of uh, play development staff, and um, I, you know, I've always admired you from afar. So, thanks again for jumping on with us.
0: He's high, high praise, fellas. Uh- <laughs> No, I, uh, you know, the, the feeling is uh, it's mutual. So, you know, happy to happy to hang out and chat a little bit more. Uh, you know, I know we talked a little bit at uh, Bridge the Gap, but, you know, it's nice to have, uh, you know, uh, a little bit of a longer conversation right now. So, you know, I uh, appreciate you having me on.
2: Absolutely, Coach. And uh, as we get the show started off here, before we dive into some of the meat and potatoes, uh, why don't you give our listeners a little backstory of yourself by taking them through your journey to get to this point in your career?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, I guess, uh, my, my whole journey kind of started when I was in high school, had a, uh, yeah, somewhat serious elbow problem. Um, uh, you know, I, I signed on to go play baseball at Cornell and, uh, you know, around that same time I was with some elbow issues, couldn't throw a baseball kind of got shipped around, uh, you know, through every specialist and doctor locally, uh, you know, back in, in, in Canada and, uh, yeah, I kinda of got fumbled around a little bit. So uh eventually I ended up getting to the Blue Jays chiropractor who uh who fixed me up pretty good without actually <laughs> adjusting me or, or doing anything to my uh to my <laughs> to my bones or my joints or anything like that. So um, you know, I had I had a pretty uh good experience with that and you know, it essentially got me back to being completely healthy. Never really had an issue after that. So and I think from the get-go, um, you know, I knew that there was something there. At least, uh, you know, from a career standpoint, that yeah, you know, I had some interest in doing it. Went to Cornell, uh, played for four years, had a great time, fell in love with the weight room. Uh, you know, decided after graduating that I want to uh, be involved in baseball and and get you know more uh, on the manual therapy side of things. So came Back to Toronto to be a chiropractor. Uh, while I was at chiropractor school, decided to coach, uh, I worked as a uh, pitching coach, started training baseball players, and then uh, kind of put everything together, I guess. Um, you know, and and that I guess culminated into opening up the baseball development group where uh, you know, I guess now my title is the director of high performance, but you know, at any given moment, I'm a pitching coach, a strength conditioning coach, or a therapist, so um, you know, it's pretty fun in that regard, but that's uh, That's kind of how I got into things is just, you know, had a taste of everything and uh, really enjoyed everything and then decided to, you know, try and, you know, merge all these, all these different uh, viewpoints and and different lenses into uh, a singular model, which is what I do now day to day.
1: That's awesome. And I think, you know, one thing that's interesting about that, and I think that's uh, kind of the beautiful side is. Uh, early on, you know, a lot of people were trying to specialize, right? And then obviously when you get in your position, it's almost like uh, working at a small college, right? You got to play multiple roles (laughs) and you got to be, you got to be the pitching guy and you got to be this guy and you got to be the performance guy and you got to be, you know, skill acquisition. You have to understand that side of things and biomechanics. And, you know, now I think it's really shifting towards an advantage um, in the, in the field because you have an understanding of what everybody uh, kind of, again, how to speak the language, uh, you know, the different lenses. And I think it's, it's interesting again where the game's going in that way um that because of the constraints of uh, of a business like yours you know obviously one w- uh, away very similar in that way um it's almost forced uh forced us to be kind of multifaceted in a lot of ways i think they'll kind of play out long term for us um what do you think about that
0: yeah no i definitely agree um yeah i, I kind of talked about that i think a little bit the bridge the gap uh, presentation but you know the idea of you know, being a little bit more of a generalist might be advantageous. Like you said, just connecting the dots and, and being able to see things from different perspectives. Um, you know, I know it's helped me for sure, uh, you know, being, being able to oversee everything just to kind of you know, view things a little bit differently and problem solve maybe a little bit differently. Uh, you know, I think in the player development world, that's kind of where baseball is going right now is, you know, trying to be more integrated and have everyone kind of, uh, you know, being able to communicate the, you know, the same language and, uh, look at the problem with very similar lenses but maybe slightly different perspectives so yeah i, I mean I, I definitely agree with you i think it's um, you know it's been advantageous but you know at the same time it's uh it's been challenging too right it's not uh you know it's, it's sometimes i sit there and i think well you know what I'm, I'm i'm getting i'm becoming a a bit of a worse practitioner uh in, in certain regards but um, you know i think for for what i do and and uh, my position having uh you know bird's eye view and, and trying to connect the dots is, is the fun part. So yeah, I, I, I love it.
2: And that's awesome. And and I want to transition a little bit here, pick your brain about this. Uh, a couple of years ago I was lucky enough to play up in the Wimble um with the Saskatoon Yellow Jackets in Saskatchewan. So I got a I got a brief glimpse of Canadian baseball, but um I want you to dive into a little bit uh how's the baseball culture up there?
0: <laughs> uh Seth. Saskatchewan, that's uh, quite the place. Beautiful. <laughs> I've never been, but I've heard I've heard great things. You probably had a great time in Atlanta. Um yeah. you know, All the guys that we've had go out there, had a great time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, Canadian baseball is uh, its its interesting. I mean, we yeah, I mean, I'm in Ontario, so uh, you know, at least in our province, uh, you know, things were growing for, for quite a bit of time just because of the Blue Jays' uh, success and, you know, enrollment was up and excitement baseball was up and yeah, there's been quite a few high uh, high round drop picks lately coming out of Ontario, and uh, a few guys making it into the big leagues. So, you know, baseball is growing in general. You know, from a player development standpoint, I, I would probably say the same thing. Uh, you know, there's there's obviously things that you know you run into that are frustrating um, with you know scheduling and logistics, and you know only being able uh, to be outside for a short period of time, but. You know, on the whole, baseball here is growing. Uh, you know, and the, and the player development side of things is too. It's just it's Canadian baseball, you know. So yeah, the way that I uh, <laughs> the way that I kind of describe it is uh, it'd be similar to you know the hockey scene in uh, California a little bit. So um, you yeah, know, there's pockets of really good stuff going on. There's some stuff where you uh, you probably shake your head at a little bit, but you know, uh on the whole it is growing and uh, you know, I think Canadian baseball is, is somewhat on the rise.
2: Yeah. And you talked about some of the challenges there. I mean obviously it's probably tough to get outside and, you know, attack and actually play um some of the majority of the year. So how do you um how do a lot of those guys attack that, especially for player development, uh, when you can't get outside?
0: Yeah, so I mean obviously, uh <laughs> the climate up here is is challenging uh you know most of the development unfortunately has to go on indoors so um you know for us the season depending on the player and and what team they're on uh you know the the season season where they have like you know greater density of games essentially starts in may uh you know which means you got may june july a little bit of august for season for these guys and then there's a break uh, and then fall ball kind of starts in early September and runs through, you know, mid-October, depending on the team. So essentially what ends up happening is we have guys who, uh, you know, they, they try to get in there, uh, you know, as much as possible in the winter. And, you know, as soon as they get outside, the density is, is pretty high, uh, which means that we have to get arms ready. Uh, predominantly, it's, that's the biggest issue, right, is, you know withstanding that uh, you know early density of throws and volume and intensity that typically goes on in uh, you know in the baseball season that is year for us you know there's no easing into things for the most part so um you know on the one hand we have to be really careful with uh you know trying to match whatever demands the players are gonna face but uh, you know on the other hand you know sometimes it's not really <laughs> all that easy to, uh, you know, guess what coaches are going to do, you know? So sometimes there's not a lot of communication and, you know, you kind of just have to cross your fingers and hope that a kid's not throwing uh, two, three times a week off the get-go. Um, but you know, baseball, you know, up here, I'm assuming is, is not much different than the Northeast, uh, you know, anywhere else, but you know, that, I would say that's probably the biggest challenge is, uh, you know, trying to get, get guys ready for that, that you know, big dense, uh, early onset of the year.
1: Yeah, that's always the interesting thing there is, uh, it's just like our, our bodies really don't care what time uh, baseball season's supposed to start. <laughs> it doesn't really, it doesn't, it doesn't care. It doesn't have an, an idea. It just says, hey, am I ready or am I not ready? And uh, that's, that's the interesting thing. You know, that's one thing that we always have to talk about with athletes. It's like, look, I understand that your season starts in three weeks, but you might need a month and a half you know? And, uh, yeah. and that's kind of some of those, so sometimes those are tough conversations, especially with coaches, um, especially if they're not on the player development side on what that, um, looks like, you know? Um, now with that is, uh, again, obviously with a lot of these guys, uh, there's some different seasons out there. There's a lot of different sports. Um, I, I, I would think that there's a lot of multi-sport athletes out there. Would you, would you agree with that? Or, you know, what does that look like?
0: Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, there's, there's a lot uh a lot of multi sport athletes I, I would say at a younger age. Uh, but you know, because baseball is uh, a big commitment up here, it's uh, especially from the development side and, and uh the commuting side specifically up in up in Toronto that, you know, if you're an elite baseball player and you wanna play college baseball, you're pretty much making a decision around fourteen or fifteen. Um, you can't do both. So, you know, the super elite uh you know, hockey players up here who also play baseball, uh, you know, they, they pretty much come to a decision that young um, and that early. And, you know, from that, from that time point onwards, it's, uh, you know, more specifically one sport. And, you know, yeah, high school sports up, up here is, is not really the same thing. So, uh, you know, the high school stuff doesn't really count. So it's it's essentially baseball, you know, full time for, you know, any, Any player who's, uh, you know, really serious about developing and really serious about getting to the next level, you know, I would say 95% of the time they're going to end up picking baseball and they're going to be doing it year-round, from 14 onwards. So, um, you know, there's inherent challenges with that as well, Um, you know, but that's just kind of the way it is.
2: That's interesting. And with the new wave of player development kind of coming to the forefront, obviously, you know, it's tough to balance that between the private sector, the player, and then the coach or the school that they're playing at for high schools. Uh, what does that relationship look like for you guys? And you guys have a lot of buy-in from those coaches?
0: Uh, uh, tough question. I would say on the whole there's not, uh, <laughs> there's not a lot of communication um, at all. So, you know, I, I think that's you know, the way that things are, are set up here is uh yeah, because you have to practice the majority of the year. Not the majority, but you know, uh sixty seventy percent of the year is indoors and training indoors. Uh the the people who own those facilities, you know, by and large have their own teams. So um, you know, the players that we get are coming outside of their own organizations and uh, you know, sometimes there's I would say uh, a lack of communication uh, on, on both parties, but uh, just a general lack of communication and, uh, you know, almost sometimes fight uh, over what the player is doing. So, you know, we uh, we don't get a lot of buy-in uh, from some people, some people, we get a lot of buy-in uh, a lot of the time, you know, really we just try to get the player to take autonomy and, um, you know, try to take their development in their own hands. And that means communicating with their coaches and communicating with us and trying to stick up for themselves both ways. So, um, yeah, tough question, but, uh, <laughs> that's, that's the reality of, of, uh, what we see here.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, and, and to be fair, I, th- I think that is something that it's probably communicated been across the board. I know, um, you know, body over there in Seattle kind of said the same thing about his area and the same thing down here as well. Um, you know, there's obviously coaches that we have better relationships with than others, um, there's guys that have, you know, coming to again, like bridge the gap and events and stuff like that, that we hold. I know that, uh, you know, you just recently held an event that we're going to kind of jump into here in a minute. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say that that's probably, probably generally similar across the board that some of these private facilities, uh, you know, there's still a long ways for us to go in the sense of how we can, um, integrate and, you know, again, everybody can kind of get over their egos, <laughs> ours included. Right. <laughs> and, uh, everybody can yeah. communicate a lot better and, and kind of come to terms um, on what, what's best for that. And, um, you know, again, we still have a long way to go um, on that sense. And I think, I think, I mean, you know a lot of that is everybody does what they do but especially baseball uh, definitely not for the money but uh because yeah. they have passion for it and when you have passion for things you know um you know we can be hard headed right um, across the board um when it comes into some of those things uh from all sides right so there's there's constant and that's not a a one time thing you can just do a check mark and say okay i put my wow. ego to the side that's something that you know i got to check check my ego in every single conversation and make sure I'm not, you know, getting too passionate or too stubborn about something, you know? Um and yeah. uh, you know, learn to find the middle ground and what's best for the athlete. And, you know, I think that's pretty similar across the board.
0: Uh yeah, I mean the one sorry, the one thing I would yeah definitely say that uh, you know, whenever we face facing scenarios like that, it's uh um, you know, we always we always obviously try to keep the players' best interest in mind. Um and sometimes that means, you know, allowing them not oh, allowing them, sorry not the right word, but um you know telling them to go and practice with their team and and, you know take a couple days off or sessions off and you know integrate yourself with your team i mean we always tell our guys to to be good teammates and um you know to you know put your head down and work hard and uh you know a big part of of serving the athlete is, is ensuring that they're comfortable and safe and they feel good about wherever they are right so if they're at our place if they're at their team's place you know, regardless. Uh we want them to be, you know, be able to work hard and, and uh, you know, sometimes that means I disagree with ten percent of what he may be doing outside of our place. That's fine by me if if uh you know they're enjoying their time and they're being a good teammate and uh you know not it's not necessarily putting them at harm.
2: Yep. Absolutely. It's always important that we put the players first and uh kind of building off that you recently just held um a showcase type event up there at your facility. Um tell us about that and uh what What that was for
0: yeah um well that was uh <laughs> it was a long endeavor uh and it was it was challenging for sure, but you know essentially what we what we sought out to do was uh you know provide a showcase for players up here that uh you know would give them as much exposure as possible for uh you know as as little <laughs> amount of money as we could possibly charge um and at the same time give them some sort of feedback so you know, the idea was, was pretty simple. Uh it was bring up some college coaches to help run an instructional component to, to the showcase. Uh, you know, get all their videos and get them up on flat ground and, and on our site and, and hopefully yours. Um and and get them the exposure that, you know, they need. I mean at the end of the day, you know, Canadian baseball players a lot of the time, uh, you know, in the past they they've had to go down south and try and get in front of Uh, college coaches Um, you know it wasn't as simple as just put a video up on background you know even three four years ago so yeah things have changed a little bit now and uh, you know we wanted to leverage that to try and give guys as much exposure as possible and uh, you know at the same time put them through you know a pretty nice assessment process so that you know if they do get in front of you know 500 uh, views or a thousand views or whatever that number ends up being and don't get contact from the school or any interest um at least they' get some, something on the back end that will you know give them a rough idea or plan uh, you know how they can get better and um you know some actionable steps that they can take to do so so uh you know we ended up getting uh, seventy guys and uh you know, it was it was a lot of work and it was a good experience and you know I, I think within the first forty eight hours we' going about ten thousand views uh to the profiles, and uh, you know to me that's that's a success so
1: um, you know, it was, it
0: was a good time, but uh, <laughs> it was a lot of work. Uh, obviously, something that uh, I didn't think I would end up doing, but um, I know there was a need for it, there was a demand for it, and uh, the number of players that signed up and uh, the fact that we sold out fairly quickly, uh, you know, it 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 rung that uh, chord true. So.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That was awesome, the stuff that you put together, and again, you know, working together there uh, to keep getting more and more exposure for those guys, so excited for that, and, you know, uh, once you kind of touched on it there and kind of walked into that spider web, um, you know, why don't you kind of walk through um, what that assessment um, looked like, and, like, how you guys went about evaluating those players?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, we, uh, you know, 70 players, you really don't have too much time. Uh, You know, we basically set a it five days where we can get through uh the assessment process and uh you know essentially that to me that always starts with uh you know a conversation and a physical exam so uh that's where i get to put on my chiropractor hat and uh you know sit down with a player and spend about 30 i think it was like 30 we slotted 30 minutes per player where uh you know we could talk to them about any any complications issues uh you know health problems in the last a uh, little bit and uh and then take them through my physical exam and uh you know try and tease out how their joints are doing, how their movement's doing uh things like that, and um you know the second component was the strength and conditioning testing, which was you know we just used rudimentary tests to uh essentially see how strong they were uh you know and and you know could they jump stuff like that uh just as simple as possible and and then the last piece was uh, just collecting data on, on their swings and their throwing. So, you know, we uh, we got every pitcher to throw, you know, a pre-showcase bullpen, uh, you know, where we took video and <clears throat> we put them on the wraps, got the motor sleeve on and got a bunch of numbers. And then all the hitters basically did a bunch of rounds with, uh, you know, the blast sensors on and, and the hit tracks collecting data too. So, you know, it was it was pretty comprehensive for what it was. I think every player got about uh, about two hours worth of assessment. Which uh is pretty good, and um you know obviously it took a lot of a lot of work on the back end uh, getting the reports all done, but um you know at the end of the day they they all kind of walked away with you know some report of findings where you know they can actually have some actionable steps to get better, which is great,
1: yeah, no, that's awesome, yeah, we're actually um uh they I think bleak's just getting back now uh, from going out and doing it with the school in Texas, very similar process, taking them through some assessment stuff um, and then, you know, coming together, giving them a, a good base understanding of going forward of, you know, what you know, it's kind of like a, a foundational um, aspect of how they should be going about, um, you know, their work. Right. Um, and, you know, one of the things you touched on there as uh, you're talking about, I think uh, one thing of, the understanding of what active range of motion and passive range of motion and why those are different. Could you kinda of open that up?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh we as as a baseball community, uh <laughs> we've we've hung our hat on on passive range of motion being, you know, as the predominant thing that we look at on the table. Um, you know, so things like internal rotation uh of the shoulder, maybe the hips. Uh, you know, passively and, and then prescribing some sort of stretch, um, you know, for, for whatever that deficit may be. And, you know, that's, that's, that's one thing. It's one thing to assess passive, uh, you know, movement and, and yeah, have an understanding of, of, you know, the joint health uh, from another arthro- kinematic standpoint, like how the joint capsule actually moving and how the joint moves. Um, you know, it's another thing to start mixing in, you know, active control. Right. So, you know, we talk about it, uh, in, in, you know, pitching quite a bit. People will talk about proprioception of the hips and movement of the hips and control the hips. And, um, you know, from a movement perspective and from a active range of motion, range of motion perspective, not a lot of uh, on-table stuff is done, uh, you know, in that regard, at least in my opinion. So, um, you know, we mm-hmm. use, you know, the passive to, to really get an understanding of, you know, how, how much space is there in that joint for movement. Uh, you know, what is the, you know, is the end range of motion, is it a bony uh, a bony block where you're going bone on bone and you probably don't want to put someone into that range? Uh, is there a capsular block where maybe we need a little bit more range and we can actually do it? Is there, you know, a block of uh, just, you know, onset, early onset of neurological tone, like leading up into a range of motion that we actually, you know, we might think is is, is guarding or something that we actually have to address pretty strongly with isometrics? You know, there's a lot of things that go into range of motion testing that, you know, is beyond just uh, you know, zero to forty five degrees of internal rotation. Um, so you know, passively that's kind of what we look at. And then actively obviously we uh you know, we don't want to see if a person can isolate a range of motion to one joint. So, you know, a very common finding that we see uh, specifically in pitchers is you know, a complete lack of control of external rotation. So uh, you know, typically we'll see a guy on the table and you know, you can crank their shoulder back to you know 100, 110, sometimes 120 degrees of external rotation. Then you get them to do it actively, and they might have 50 or 60 before the rest of mm. uh, you know the, the scap comes in, or they try to lift the chest off the table. So, you know, when there's when there's a a, a deficit of you know 15, 20 degrees uh, between active and passive, that's kind of a spot where we need to really address control of the joint. Um, And that's uh, just a lot of specificity that, you know, essentially said that about 15, 20 degrees, uh, you know, of calorie overall strength will happen in, uh, you know, range of motion. So, you know, if I can, if I can display a hundred passively, and I can get to, you know, about 80, 85 actively, then we're good to go. But, you know, if if they don't have that, then uh, there's basically this, you know, good chunk of range of motion that our brain doesn't really have control over or have an understanding of how to control. And, uh, you know, having that as, uh, you know, your baseline for your, for your movement and, uh, you know, trying to do something like throw a baseball 90 miles an hour is probably not the greatest recipe for, uh, success. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, no. And that's a, that was a big piece. Like, you know, that, um, a lot of people, you know, yeah. again, try to isolate certain areas, like you're saying of range of motion. I think the big part that, that you're talking about there is obviously the motor control, right. And, um, the stability through those ranges of motion as well. So it's not a, just a lot of, a lot of people will say, Oh, they lack this range and then just try to give them back that range of motion. Um, but meanwhile, just having range that I can't control is probably even more dangerous. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, uh, that, you know, and that's a big, and that's a big piece. So, you know, there with a, with a lot of guys is, you know, how do you uh, and and you know, one thing that I always think back to as well is when someone's uh, when the body is is designing or aligning itself in, in whatever way it's responding to a demand, right? So, yep. you know, I, I try to think back to you know, those are uh, for whatever reason, however, that the, the body is organized in that way, it's responding in a way uh, that it's upon it, which goes back to your earlier point of you know, movement. Right. So, how they're moving and kind of assessing from there, and then having an understanding of, from that point, it's just like you give them all this range of motion. But meanwhile, you know, it could, if you're not fixing the real illness, which is probably how they're moving or how, you know, they're firing patterns or any of those things, right? Uh, you're, you're, you, you, there's a, there's a big lapse there in between, um, you know, just fixing a symptom or actually fixing like the real illness that's wrong with the, you know, athlete for whatever, whatever that may be for that particular individual.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, and I think that, uh, you yeah, know, it also speaks to the idea of, of, you know, having everything integrated, right? So, you know, we don't just look at range of motion in isolation and make a decision, well, you don't have enough of this. Um, you know, it all kind yeah. of fit into how they move in, in their actual sport and whether or not they're, they're moving efficiently for them and effectively, um, you know, from a performance standpoint. So, um, you know, it's it's not everyone is the exact same. And not everyone's going to move the exact same way and be successful. So, you know, I think having, uh, like I said, that integration between, you know, a skill coach and a therapist um, and a strength conditioning coach, you all get on the same page and say, you know what, this is what the athlete needs. Um, This is what he needs to be successful. And then, you know, everyone's sending the same signal, um, you know, of adaptation towards, you know, going in that direction um, and not working against each other. So, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, things are pretty complicated, right. And, uh, Mm. not not as simple as, oh, he lacks, you know, internal rotation of the hips. Let's just go ahead and crank that guy out, uh, and spend all of our bullets trying to improve that. Um, it's, it's not that easy, right?
1: (laughs) For sure. Yeah. And I think, I think, uh, too often, um, people just run past too, like these very complex, uh, terms, you know, that they, it sounds simple and it's been explained simple, but I think again, obviously there's so many layers to them. Like, know, again, when we look at like, you know, motor control or the word like coordination, right? Like, or, you know, like firing patterns, like they're, the, these things are pretty complex in the sense of like, what's actually happening in the body and the demand that it's requiring. Um, For those things that happen. And, and also, uh, you know, obviously the development of those individual areas is not an easy task either. You know, one of the things I I talked about the other day, uh, when I was during a post, I was talking about um, firing patterns and, you know, they're, they're stubborn for a reason in the sense of, you know, if we didn't fire in a similar way on a consistent basis, I mean, we'd be all over the place. We obviously wouldn't be very coordinated. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're very stubborn to change, but with good reason and, um, they can work for us or they can work against us. And, you know, it's, um, an understanding, you know, how to re, you know, pattern somebody's firing patterns is, I mean, obviously, as you know, it's not, not a very easy thing to do. Um, and, and, but it is for good reason, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure.
0: Um <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's a very daunting task uh, trying to change how someone moves. And, you know, again, this is exactly kind of why, yeah, you know, I think uh, not to, to beat it at host, but it, this is why an integrated model is so important because, you know, you need everyone sending similar signals, uh, and you know, for those signals to be con- con- consistent, right? So, you know, the more, the more we can feed, uh, you know, a signal of adaptation that we want, uh, whether it's on the table uh, or, you know, in the cage or in the gym, uh, you know, the more likely we are going to be able to change those patterns, if that makes any sense. So, um, yeah, I just, say again, I think, I think it's just so so critically important for everyone to kind of be working towards the same thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think this, uh, your response to this one will be similar. Just we'll just keep beating the dead horse anyways, but, um, (laughs) so this point we've summarized it, you know, Know, the current state of player development is and how do you think that will evolve you know as we gather more information and move forward
0: yeah yeah no i, I mean uh it's it's already going that way that the way of the integration i guess uh, um you know there's uh, there's some courses out there that are trying to link coaches and, and therapists and strength condition coaches with a you know a common language and you know i think that's a fantastic first step towards you know where baseball should be going um you know, I, I know, uh, at least from my vantage point, you know, it can be really hard in the private sector to have a therapist involved who, you know, is committed to to being in the trenches and, and being there all the time. Um, you know, it's, it's not much of a career. There's uh, <laughs> not a lot of money in it, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think, you know, these, some of these courses and, and just the way the baseball is kind of going is is in the right direction. Um, obviously, it's baseball, so it's going to take a lot longer than we probably all want it to but uh you yeah, know at least we're trending in the right direction and and uh you know I think it really you yeah, know at least on the professional side it, it it's it's already leaked in and uh it's just going to keep getting stronger so um it's encouraging it's it's uh it really is
1: yeah absolutely no and uh you know again you know I, I think like you're saying it, it, obviously all of, all of this is, it's part of a process, right? I mean, obviously um, we, we definitely see it from a different lens and we understand where it can get better, um, especially with a lot of, um, you know, athletes. I think, I think, you know, one thing that has loved and a lot of these situations, uh, these uh, points or these viewpoints uh, is understanding. Again, I see where uh, we come up short, right? I see areas where we could get better and, and then also amplify that with the, understanding of organizations of you know the geographical uh constraints they have placed upon them and how many individuals they're trying to get pulling in the same direction um you know definitely not an easy task right so um you know definitely understand there and uh um it's it, like you're saying it's it's very uh, encouraging to see how the game is going and the people that are in the game and there's some really smart and passionate individuals that are you know kind of leading the charge in a lot of different ways um definitely takes a village but um you know i think I'm, I'm really excited for where it's going and you know again it takes conversations even like this that kind of keep keep the ball rolling and keep the game like pushing forward totally
0: i mean this is uh you know this is obviously a very 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 small component to pushing the game for this conversation but you know it serves as yeah. a pretty good example of of how things are going um you know we live on two completely different sides of the continent and uh yeah. you know we're able to chat about things and I'm able to pick your brain from afar, you know, in a creepy fashion, and, and you know, not have to say anything <laughs> to you, and, and try to pick up things from you guys. And um, you know, it's the same thing with Bleak. You know, I can I can call him up, you know, uh, every week or two, and, and pick his brain. And you know, for me as, as someone who's you know overseeing a bunch of different things, it's uh, you know, it, it really is uh, you know a cool time that we're living in where we can pick up information and and network and and grow pretty quickly. So yeah I'm with you uh you know I know there's there are faults in professional baseball, but you know there's a lot of constraints on them too so uh you know we are going in the right direction, and I think some people just need to sometimes take a breath and uh you know just accept that fat, that fact that we are we are going the right way yep,
2: <laughs> yeah, and' yeah, part of continually bridging that gap and um, networking is. Obviously putting people in the right places to be able to do that. So um, if any of those guys tuning into the show today, Steve, want to get a hold of you about anything that we've covered, uh, what's the best way they can contact you?
0: Uh, yeah, usually the best way is just Twitter. Um, and, you know, find me at my, my
1: Twitter. handle,
0: which is just Dr. Saucer. Um, you know, email works too, but, yeah, I'm a lot quicker on, uh, on Twitter. So, um, yeah, probably the best way to go.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, Hey, we re- really appreciate you jumping on with us. Uh, you know, again, obviously um, there's a big part of, uh, again, I, I think that I'm always excited to get good guys like you on and uh, we can kind of talk through a lot of these things and again, do a very small part of pushing the game forward. But at the same time, I mean, obviously these conversations need to happen. Um, and I know there's a lot of people that w- would love to just be a uh, fly on the wall. So that's kind of like the the role we try to play there. So we really appreciate you jumping on with us again.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Uh, thanks for chatting guys. That had a good
1: time. Hey, we always love to have a Canadian on. (laughs) Got to love when we can get them on and and share the insights. I absolutely love it. This call takeaway is brought to you by Yakertech.
2: Yakertech is the gold standard for measuring spin rate, velocity, trajectory, and most important, spin axis of a pitched ball. No other system captures such clarity on a moving ball. Learn more about their system at yakertech.com. Also, follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to stay up to date at YTBallTracking, that's at Tracking. Yeah, Joy, what was your biggest call takeaway from our conversation with Steve?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, he went ahead and absolutely killed those message, but I think the biggest takeaway is going to be, of course, is integration um, and synergy, right? Uh, bringing everything and having viewing things from a multitude of different lenses so that we can get a more holistic view um, of what actually is going on and what's best for those athletes, right? Um, and then on top of that, um, you know, for us to be able to do that and be the most objective. Uh, to view it from the most objective view possible, um, you know, us continuing to monitor our, you know, egos and and the things that we as communicators can get much better at on a constant basis is monitoring those things um, and doing what's best for the athlete and keeping that in our forefront of our brain at all times and every conversation that we monitor throughout the day. How about you, Bo?
2: Yeah, just building off you there. Um, obviously, it takes a village and with the way player development's going now, um, you know, the, multi, the more multifaceted you are, the more hats you can wear, you know, the more value you bring. So if you're out there right now and you feel like you're wearing a lot of different hats, that's <laughs> probably a good thing for you. So I'm excited to see, you know, how this integrates and uh, where the game of baseball goes when we talk about player development. Absolutely.
1: Well, guys, uh, you know, make sure to the, the rate this episode, share this episode. There's a lot of good information and some nuggets out there. So share that stuff on social media. We'd love to give you guys some love on the back end. But from us and our partners over at Baseball Cloud. Until next time, Farm System out.